You're listening to the Missionary Perspective Podcast with veteran missionaries Eric Johnson and Joshua Mead. We're glad you could join us. We trust this podcast will be both a blessing and a challenge as we relate topics in world evangelism from a missionary perspective. Now, here's Josh and Eric. Welcome to the Missionary Perspective Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Johnson. I am on assignment today in the plush studios of Iglesia Bautista La Verdad. And today I have the great joy to interview one of my dear friends in the faith, Brother Chris Phillips, the founder of Sail International, also a former missionary in Cuba and the Dominican Republic. And so today we're just going to take a few minutes and get to know Brother Chris and some of the neat things the Lord has allowed him and his family to be a part of over the years. Um, I got to meet Brother Chris in 2003, many moons ago, when I was a young single man visiting the mission field. And from that point, we've uh, struck up a friendship and be able to grow over the years. And he's become uh, one of my great mentors of the faith, and I greatly appreciate his friendship. So thanks for being with me today, Brother Chris. Pleasure to be here, Eric, back in the sunny DR. Oh, praise the Lord for air conditioning. And we're going Amen. Talking a little bit about school here, but uh, it's so hot and muggy, almost ready to rain, that uh, I decided to close the windows up and turn the AC on. So we're not suffering too bad for Jesus right now. So we're going to get to know Brother Chris a little bit and his family. But before we talk about your ministry and what the Lord's doing with you right now, let's uh, back up a little bit. Why don't you tell us a little bit about growing up, uh, how you came to know the Lord, and uh, just a little bit about how he called you into the ministry. Okay. Uh, well, I had the privilege of being raised in a Christian home. In fact, my dad was a pastor, and uh, the challenges that come with that far uh, can be compared to the blessings of growing up in a pastor's home. So I was very grateful for that. I got saved when I was seven years old, and then the Lord, ever since I got saved, the Lord uh, placed in my heart a desire to serve Him in some way, and so that manifested itself through working with young people, camp work there where my dad found a, a Christian camp. And then when we went into college, that was just a natural outflow of wanting to serve the Lord. Um, Don and I, uh, we started our ministry by serving in Christian education. We served there for around 10 years, uh, teaching, coaching, and being involved in a Christian school that way. Then I, I remember that when I was in Columbia, South Carolina, serving as the high school administrator, the Lord really began to burden our hearts, Eric, for people that have never had a chance to hear the gospel. And that in itself was a burden, but I, I always thought there's no way I could ever be a missionary. No way I could ever learn another language, or by the, at that time we had four children, or small children, and I had all the normal excuses. And so as I began to pray about it and then talk, to some of my mentors and spiritual leaders, it became became confirmed in our hearts that God was preparing us for that. And so it was just a natural process of surrendering to the Lord in that area. And then for the last 24 years, we've been in full-time missions. So that's probably in your mid to late 20s when the Lord really specifically started speaking to you about the area of missions. Is that correct? It was late 20s. Late 20s, all right. 28, 29. And then we actually landed in Costa Rica for language school at 32 years old. So let's back up a little bit. You mentioned your wife and kids. Uh, why don't you tell us a little about your wife, how you met her, and then uh, about your four wonderful children. Met Dawn in college. We were in Bible college together. Um, 
we, she also grew up in a pastor's home. So we had that dynamic growing up. And actually, our first few years of college, um, she didn't really notice me that much. So <laughs> I was just waiting by my time. And then finally, as we, uh, she was actually best friends with my sister. And so, you know, I had her eye on her the whole time, but really the Lord just brought our hearts together. And from day one, we have been partners, Eric. Her heart for ministry, her heart to serve people is is, is really, um, it's, has been really a key in whatever success the Lord has given us. And so we consider ourselves partners together. We've always been a team. And her contribution to the ministry cannot be measured. It's just wonderful. Children, uh, Lord has blessed us with four children. Just, um, I think we were talking last night about our kids, how that we just are so blessed. We don't deserve them, but they are, thank the Lord, they're all serving in, in ministry uh, full time. And we currently have six grandchildren. Mm-hmm. One was actually born this morning. That's right. And another one on the way in January, so that'll be seven. Um, I'm a blessed man, that's for sure. Well, ever since the very beginning when I met the Fields family uh, many years ago, it was a blessing for me as a young man to see a family uh, that loved the Lord, loved each other. And uh, we, Holly and I, get married and endeavored to have a family uh, to follow examples like yourselves. And in fact, uh, I remember being a young man in about 2004, spending time with your son, Zach, and having a lot of fun with him. And I even kind of put it back in my mind. I said, you know, one day if I have a little boy, I might name him Zach. And sure enough, I did. And it's pretty funny how similar their, their personalities are. really are. So, all right. So uh, the Lord calls you into missions. Um, so from that point of your burden to see others who don't have the opportunity to hear the gospel, how does he get you to the next step? Okay. Um, as we were, you're, you're speaking of deciding where to go, right? Right. How to serve the Lord. Yeah, you, you have this burden now, Lord. Where should I go? Takes a question. Um, in fact, that's a question that we are asked a lot. Absolutely. Um, I, I would say, for your audience, uh, missionary perspective, that as you're praying about God's will, going into the ministry, it's a great thing. Scripture says that to go into the ministry. If you desire that, you're desiring a wonderful thing. There also is equipping involved, so you need to make sure that you do your due diligence to get experience, work out your spiritual gifts to see how the Lord has equipped you, and then as you're serving in your local church, um, that's that's going to be confirmed, not just in your heart, but also in the hearts of those that are observing you, that are in leadership over you, and if you're married in your home. As, as you're praying about God's will, especially making a step of going to the mission field, you and your wife really need to be unified in that and make sure that the Lord is in it. And we get we get excited and zealous, and we want to see it happen now. <laughs> but I, I would just say, allow the Lord to work in your heart and prepare you for that ministry. As far as we were concerned, when we surrendered to missions, we didn't know where we were going right immediately. And so we began to pray. We love the Hispanic people. In fact, we had an opportunity to serve in the Hispanic church at our Sydney church, Grace Baptist in Columbia, South Carolina. And we didn't know Spanish, but we got to intermingle with the Hispanics, developed a love for them. Then through different contacts, and a visit to the island of Cuba, that's where God confirmed 
he wanted us to go. So after language school in Costa Rica, we <coughs> went to the island of Cuba. We were there for a year, um, serving, met some wonderful people there. Um, the church planting efforts um, did not happen as we expected. And we really feel like the Lord, felt like the Lord wanted us to be in church planting. So then we shifted to the Dominican because every two months we had to come out of Cuba to renew our visa. And so in one trip over to the Dominican, we were able to meet a Cuban, as a matter of fact, who had um, a home for rent. And the need was so great in that area uh, where his home was located. So we tucked that in the back of our mind, went back to Cuba and continued to pray. And then when it became evident that the Lord was leading us to move out of Cuba, that's where we landed. And then we went in and out of Cuba the next three summers, basketball camps, as a matter of fact, to, to be able to minister there and saw dozens of teenagers and coaches come to know the Lord as their Savior. So that's how our ministry in the Dominican. And so through, through the years, you've also had more opportunities to go back and interact and know others who are associated with this church with you and also had those opportunities. So now this is probably the early 2000s. You guys are transitioning to the Dominican Republic. Uh, tell us a little bit about the ministry there and your years in the DR and how that how that uh, affected your family. 2002 is when we came to the Dominican and we're able to see immediate connection with the people, just Dominicans will, will just draw you in, except when they're driving. When they're driving, they'll run you off the road. But when you're ministering to them, they're so receptive, and our hearts were just knit to them. We originally wanted to start in another community here, you know that, in a more of a middle class community, and that was our goal. Uh, those That did turn out for a number of different reasons, and so... The Lord just said, where you're living, which was in a very poor area, that's where you need to start. So we started a Bible study that just grew, and then the church grew, and we saw leaders begin to be trained. And really, for about four years, the fruit from those four years where we were here in the Dominican was just really so exciting to see. We had, the property where we lived was about 18 acres. So we were able to have a camp there, a day camp for kids, teenagers, house different groups when they came down. So from that one little area, poor area, in the middle of nowhere, God impacted, of course, Dominicans, that their future was within in about a mile radius for the rest of their lives. Now there is a church planted there. The Dorian family actually came alongside to be our partners, and then they actually took the the church to the next level and established it on property. Mm -hmm. And so we were able to see the Lord work there. I'm sorry, the groups that came down. Yeah. You came down and some groups from your church came down. And from those groups, there are at, at least 10 to 11 young people from all the groups that came that are now serving the Lord of Missions. So those four years, it, it was just um, a tremendous time of fruit. You know, that was my really first experience missions and so I had opportunity to go and they would have whether it be a VBS week or a youth camp week or one of the most lasting images I have were the thousands of people that came out for the medical week and you know as Pastor Chris, Brother Chris has mentioned this property was enormous and uh, I got to stand there at the door and let people in you know thousands of people at one at a time and it was so exciting to see um, Dominicans who also came alongside from other 
uh, like-minded churches would yes. come and yes. you know, lead people to the Lord. And some of those young men today are pastors right. in other churches down here. So as Pastor Chris mentioned, you know, that was only a four-year window. <laughs> so much was done. And we're going to emphasize so much was done because there were a lot of people who came through that property, a lot of groups that came through. Um, and so this was a lot of wonderful things, but yet at the same time, I can say negative things, but it was also a taxing time. And so we're going to kind of talk about a little bit of the transition now. Uh, you've been in Cuba, you saw some of the problems there, you had to transition to Dominican, having this amazingly flourishing, fruitful time, but under the surface, what was going on? Well, in 2003, when we were in the Dominican, <laughs> was diagnosed with lupus at that time. And there were some really, really good doctors mm -hmm. around, and so we began to get her treatment. But she she did get better. We were praying, begging God to touch her body and her life and be able to heal her because really, when you're a missionary, you cannot you cannot wrap your head around the fact that God would ever dream of taking you back and transitioning back to the States. So that's where we were, and she she really did go through some deep physical issues. Um, she had vertigo um, almost every afternoon. She was in bed with vertigo, and then other emotional uh, responses to that autoimmune disease that is inevitable. Plus the, the climate, uh, and then ministry. The ministry had to go on. We we tried to pull back. Honestly, you don't believe that we did. We tried to pull back and. You know, stop some of the frantic work that we were doing, just meeting everybody's needs. But it, we just couldn't stop. Ministry had to keep going. And so it came to a point where we knew that for her health, uh, the doctors even told us that she needed to go back to the States to get treatment. So we sent her back uh, a couple of times, uh, but then she came right back into it and didn't stop, we kept on going, and it just came to the point where we knew that we didn't have a choice. Even then, Eric, to make that decision to, to leave what God was doing, and if you're a missionary, you you understand that it's it, it can be a mixture of pride, but it's also a mixture of love, and our kids all loved it. They didn't want to leave. And so, for for my purposes in this podcast, I would say that I have to admit there was pride more. I didn't feel like the ministry could go on with it. Mm -hmm. And even though God was saying, you know, I'm, I'm bringing a change about your life for a purpose. Um, I, I just could not get to the point where I was willing to accept that. Um, ashamed to say that because my wife was, was hurting and I, I should have reached out to her and helped her go through this and Moved back to the States the first time we knew that something was going on and was detrimental to her health, but we just did not. And in the middle of all that, we had a group come, and one of my dear friends saw what was going on. He noticed that we were very discouraged and beaten down, exhausted, depleted in every single sense. And so he, he said, Chris, I have some friends who are going to look counseling. And I called it, and I said, "Please do." And for the first time in my life, I opened up and was honest about what was going on, difficulties we were facing. And that was on a Thursday. By the next Monday, they had flown down 
to the Dominican, paid for their trip, uh, they paid for their whole trip, and they spent a week with us. They loved on us, they challenged us, they brought truth to bear on our situation, they gave us great perspective, and they confronted us with uh, imbalances in our Christian life. So that week changed the course of our lives and our ministry. Really, you know, in many ways, I think you mentioned the other night to the other missionaries, we had a missionary get together. Uh, those seeds for what you're doing now, uh, helping other missionaries, are planted through this other person's uh, love for you to, to approach you. And I think we're going to kind of transition that a little bit into now uh, the Lord calls you home to uh, South Carolina. And from there, what, what, how is the transition? Transition sure wasn't easy. Transition no, it wasn't easy. And I'm going to say a few things here that missionaries will identify with. Mm-hmm. But when we made the decision in August, um, on a Wednesday night, there was a pastor that supported us from Charleston, South Carolina. Without knowing we had made this decision, emailed us and said that if we ever had to come off the field, there was a mission house waiting, and they were 10 minutes from the medical university in South Carolina. So that was obvious where we went. So we transitioned off. The healing was not immediate. Uh, but it was a difficult transition, selling our things here at the Dominican, saying goodbye to the Dominicans. Um, and then, of course, you know, as a missionary, you want to still be in full-time missions, but the minute your foot hits American soil, you're going to lose support. Well, we actually lost support before we even got back to the States. There were some churches that dropped us because we were transitioning <laughs> off the field, which was very, very discouraging. But um, God has a plan in all that. We got back to the States got all treatment, and began to go through that healing process. Um, the church where we were staying had just finished a building project. So they moved into their new auditorium three months after we got back. So that left them, uh, their whole building vacant. And so we began a Hispanic church right there, indigenous and self-supporting from day one, and started with four, and the Lord just blessed in that aspect. Uh, fast forward now to COVID. Um, and co- during COVID, we were transitioning to the national pastor. Um, uh, during that transition time, the Lord provided a piece of property. So we have property in Charleston, South Carolina, debt-free. And just amazing to see how the Lord took us through that transition. But now there's a church of around 150 people, soul saved, leaders being trained in Charleston, South Carolina. So we never know. So during this time in Charleston, um, kids are growing up, going to college, getting married, you're making this transition, and you kind of know probably even before you make the transition that you're thinking about maybe the next steps in life. And, you know, obviously, you guys are highly involved in other missionaries' lives from just periphery, uh, but when does the Lord start working on your heart about what you're doing now with Sail International? Well, it goes back about six years ago. When we landed in Charleston, there happened to be a biblical counseling center that asked us to do their Hispanic or Spanish-speaking counseling for them. And having been exposed a few years earlier to the impact of biblical counseling on us, we were highly interested in learning more how to do that. And so after we began to work with them, they asked us to pilot the Spanish lay counseling program. Um, lay counseling is simply where you take your normal church members of the local church and you train them in the basic areas of the counseling. Well, we did that with 22 of our church members 
um, in our Hispanic church, and they graduated from that, and that just transformed our church. So as we're looking through biblical counseling, exactly what it is, how powerful it is to take the Word of God and apply it to our everyday troubles and trials, then we saw these families begin to be transformed, and it became an outreach. So that's when we started getting our certification to become certified biblical counselors. And the experiences we went through there and then the experiences in our own family. Um, through the years, we've had counseling, you know, in different situations for ourselves. I believe everybody needs counseling here. Um, even pastors and missionaries, especially sometimes pastors and missionaries, because we sometimes think that um, we don't need it. But I, instead of saying counseling, maybe I should say here, I think everyone needs somebody else to speak truth in that's what biblical counseling is. And so when we saw that, we grew in, in that ministry of, of learning how to, how to counsel biblically. Pandemic hits, all of a sudden, everybody's world is shattered, turned upside down, especially missionaries. And so as we began to go through the pandemic and hear what was going on in the lives of ministry leaders, the Lord burdened our hearts to combine the heart of a pastor with biblical counseling for those in the ministry. So as we were going through COVID, we had a lot of time to pray and we didn't know anyone else really that was doing this full time. Yeah. Um, and so we were saying, Lord, can we do this full time? And the Lord just said, green light, go for it. So we stepped out in faith in the 1st of January of 2021, we launched Sailor International, which is focused on ministry to pastors and their families, missionaries and their families, Christian educators and their families, anyone in full-time Christian work. Our heart is to come alongside and support them, help them, Eric, interpret their life circumstances through the lens of Scripture. When we're right in the middle of it, sometimes we can't see it, and we don't know what to do. But admitting as a leader that we don't know what to do is one of the most anxiety producing thoughts and experiences that we can have. And so coming alongside, seeing them get humble, walk through it like we did, there's just nothing like it. Seeing a missionary family who's really gone through trauma in the field, pick it up and pick up the sword and keep going on for the Lord, there's just really nothing like it. Well, from personal experience, many times when I uh, come across very difficult problems in our church. Chris is one of the first people I call, and he always lets me know how complicated the questions I tend to call. <laughs> and um, but we knew from afar, Holly and I, and we knew that when Chris and Dawn uh, were venturing out to do this, we knew not only would they be wonderful at it because that's what they really did on the side for everybody else, but we also knew I don't know what your expectations were, what you thought would happen. We knew you would probably be overwhelmed pretty quickly. And so because of that, you started praying about expanding, having others help you. Let's talk a little bit about if how it's not just you and your wife, how yes. people come alongside to help you in this. You're right, Eric. We knew the need was great because we've lived it growing up in Christian homes, but we were even surprised at how many began to reach out. We lost in January. The first week, we got three requests. Yeah. And then ever since then, it's been between three and sometimes seven requests per week. That we're receiving now. Not everyone follows through, sort of getting counsel because it can be scary. Yeah. If, if 
if you don't know the person, if you don't have that trust built, that confidence level. But we, we want to be a safe place. We are a safe place where you can come and share whatever's going on. Right now, the Lord, it appears that he's going to be providing a piece of property for us to be able to actually have our own place. We can house at least four or five missionary families or pastors' families um, at one time. Which means we will need to hire more counselors. Which means we will need to continue to, to raise that monthly support to be able to bring those people on. But our, our goal right now, and actually we're looking for someone uh, that can actually help us run the ministry, the administrate the ministry, the ins and outs of uh, the organization, um, even do some uh, marketing and some presenting of the ministry. Uh, while we're able to invest in counseling, travel to the field, maybe to have retreats and counsel missionaries that way. So um, we, we need to grow, and we can see that just within the next year or so, we need to be hiring other counselors. So it's, I guess it's an important point to kind of note here is that not only do you meet one-on-one with families, uh, and hopefully soon in this environment you have this, this piece of property you're going to be able to uh, acquire, which is in itself a, a miraculous story that I'm sure Chris will put out something out later on. Uh, he's got a video to explain the, the property, but how the Lord uh, looks like miraculously providing for it. But there's also opportunities where you come and speak at churches and uh, retreats. Would you talk about the opportunities in the last two years you've had to do that? Yeah. The, and also the conference you have. Yeah. The, oh, yes. The heart of our ministry is one-on-one, Don and I with a couple, entering into their suffering. That's the heart of our ministry. But we also love being able to go to different churches um, and do couples retreats. Uh, we've, we've done family conferences. Um, we have traveled to the field and done parenting conferences uh, for the nationals there. And uh, we had our first, what we call, Sailor Refresh retreat uh, this past summer. That is where we bring in pastors and missionaries that can be single ladies, single men, um, serving of the Lord in whatever capacity. Uh, church, the whole church staff can actually come to our retreat. But our focus is to have a two-night, three-day um, refreshment of getting ministry leaders together and see them hear the word together. Uh, but the focus is not on preaching the entire conference. The focus is on um, intercessory prayer, guided prayer times with ministry leaders, question and answer times, we also have at least three or four um, roundtable discussions on how to deal with difficult counseling situations that you may face in your ministry. Um, and along with that, great food and fellowship. And it's really the first one we had this past year was transformative. To me, it, it was so encouraging to be able to share with other ministry leaders maybe challenges that you're facing. But also, we always end with, but God. But God is there. It is a challenge, yes. There are perplexing circumstances in ministry. Why do, are these relationships broken like they are? Why am I being attacked? All of those issues that we face as missionaries and pastors, there is a biblical solution to them. So that's our joy, to always land on trusting God in whatever situation is about. I highly recommend any missionary or pastor listening has that opportunity to reach out and possibly attend that. Holly and I are putting that on our list of to-dos, and we're hoping to be able to be a part of that in the near future. Um, well, as we kind of draw the conclusion, 
kind of transition to some of the things you've been able to see in the last number of years, because it hasn't just been the last two years you've counseled, but more intensely in the last two years. Um, having experience, especially with the perspective of missions, seeing missionaries come off the field with the problems they've been struggling with, uh, now able to take maybe a 30,000 foot view and think of some ways maybe to encourage our listeners today. Maybe they're going through it right now. They're, they're at the precipice of some of these problems. Some ways they could uh, be encouraged to invest in their family. We just mentioned, you know, marriage retreats. Uh, we talked a lot in our message the other day about uh, accountability, friendships, things like that. Maybe a couple of things to encourage a missionary to consider right now when they are starting into crisis mode. Maybe just um, obviously prevention is better <clears throat> than a cure. But so many times in ministry, things just get going, and you don't even realize that. Things are in a crisis until it's it's just about ready to fall apart. Your wife's ready to leave, or um, your health has broken down to the point where you cannot go another day, or you're so depressed that you can't even get out of bed, or you've had a situation with a child that just is breaking your heart, or there has been trauma or a physical attack uh, that has changed your life and really having a difficult time processing that. If, if you're going through any of those situations, um, it, it is needful as a missionary to process that with someone else that fully understands what you're going through. It's just like the military um, um, doesn't ask their employees, they require their employees to go through a time of debriefing or a time of re-entry into the states to process everything that's happened. As missionaries and believers, we're in a spiritual battle. We are facing spiritual attacks that we never faced before uh, when we come to the mission field. And that will wear on you if you don't get uh, another brother or sister to come alongside and help you process that. Pray together. Um, think through situations. So that would be the first thing I would say is to Really pray about developing a friendship with someone on the field that you trust, that you can just bear your soul with and admit uh, things aren't going too well, that you've been struggling, that there's been some failures in certain areas. Uh, for the wives, too, especially, to be able to process that with someone. That would be the first thing, Eric, I would say you've got to do that. Second thing would be um, evaluate your time with the Lord, your personal walk with the Lord. As ministry leaders, we've preached it all, seen it all. We know how to interpret scripture, but actually worshiping God on a daily basis gets undervalued. And we don't prioritize that. Uh, so I would say you walk with the Lord, a fellow believer. And then also, uh, if, if you do see signs of burnout, if you do see signs of depression, um, if you're feeling yourself get cynical, um, if you're if you see yourself hating the people you're ministering to, um, if, if you see yourself um, really losing motivation, losing losing feeling, you're losing your love for the Lord and for your people, if you see yourself being irritated all the time, if you if you don't feel peace in your family, um, if your health seems to be going down, then you need to really get help now. If you are in a crisis, um, if you are experiencing a difficult marriage, um, or if you you or your spouse is in 
deep depression, you know it, then you need to reach out for help. If that would be us, it would be an honor to come alongside and support you during that time, give you biblical answers, and see true healing come about. Um, I don't know if that answered your question. No, absolutely. Those are great tips, and uh, in just a minute we're going to ask Brother Chris how you can get to touch with him, but just to kind of finish up, we had a great time this week, this past Monday, we had a missionary fellowship. That's one of the reasons why Brother Chris is down to encourage missionaries here on the mission field. And then this week in our church, he's going to be hosting a family conference as well as having a, a national uh, lunch for pastors, for national pastors here. But uh, during the session we had the other day, there were a couple points that just real briefly kind of leave on a positive note. I think it's encouraging that there's missionaries in a faraway country. I even think of our dear brother, Josh Mead, who's just got so much bigger. Uh, but there were many months, if not years, where Brother Josh went and didn't see anyone saved. And so Brother Chris spoke the other day about what true success spiritually looks like in the mission field. Why don't you give him a couple of points that you, yes. you did the other day? As, as ministry leaders in general, as pastors, um, a lot of our conversations and relationships are built on celebrating our successes. You know? Um, but it's, it's even more intense for missionaries um, because your relationship with pastors and every prayer letter that you write, you're celebrating successes. And sometimes you're, you're trying to scrounge up. You know, what can we um, praise the Lord about during this, this season or this month? Because if, if you talk to pastors, there are going to be months and maybe even years when it's, there's not a whole lot going on in ministry. So as missionaries... We feel that pressure to be able to produce. That in itself can cause us to develop a mindset of performance rather than grace. You are loved, ministry leader, missionary. You are loved. And God approves of you whether or not you had 10 people saved last month. God is just so glad that you're his child. And he loves you just because he loves you. Learning to, to rest in that and balance that with grace motivation to serve the Lord and to, to spend and be spent for his glory out of the right motivation really makes a difference in our service for the Lord. So how would you ministers, uh, whether you're a pastor or missionary, describe success? How would you define it? And that's what we talked about the other night. And that's what I have really thought about for long time. Since I got into scripture, it was hard for me to see any of Paul's writings give numbers about how many came to the Lord. Um, and um, he talked about churches that were established. But as I went through Paul's writings, the greatest missionary ever, I began to see that he measured success very differently. Um, one of the ways he measured success was 1 Corinthians 4 verse 2, which says, What's required in, in stewards is that a man be found faithful. But how do you define faithfulness? So as I began to think about that, faithfulness to me is being faithful in the routine, day-to-day -day tasks that God has given me to do. First and foremost, I am a follower of Christ. So success for me would be to follow Christ with all my heart, soul, and mind. I love him with all my strength. I love my neighbors myself. So that applies directly to your walk with the Lord. How deep do you go with the Lord personally? 
I don't mean in a legalistic way, having my uh, Bible reading, three chapters a day, Proverbs and Psalms, and then I pray for five minutes. I'm, I'm talking about truly being faithful in your walk with the Lord. Uh, as Paul said, following hard, pursuing, reaching forth to those things that are before. And those things were not church growth. Those things were becoming more like Christ in our lives. So faithfulness in making sure that you plan out your time with the Lord and you make that high priority every single week to your time spent with the Lord, being faithful in that. Another thing, Eric, I can think of success would be um, serving. Just the fact that you are serving others with the gospel in and of itself is success. If, of course, if you do it with the right motive. Jesus took a towel and a basin of water and washed his disciples' feet. The night before he was crucified. And he said, see what I'm doing? This is what you're to do to each other. And that reminds me of that famous passage in Philippians 2 that talks about the humility of Christ. But I believe true success is being humble like Christ and serving. Um, Christ didn't just act like a servant just to show us what to do, but he really was above that. He was a servant. He was meek, humble, and lowly in heart. That's who he was. So if we develop a servant spirit, being willing to do anything to meet the needs of others, then that is success in, in the Christian life. And we could go on, um, but uh, that's what I think we should keep in mind on our day-to-day -day basis. Uh, it's great encouragement to us as we dive into God's Word. Uh, I know every single person who's a minister, whether it be a pastor in the States or North America or, or all over the world, uh, has days that are difficult and battle. If it's not even depression, it may just be discouraging for a, for a time in the ministry. And just resetting that focus and understanding what the goals are, uh, I think are really encouraging. So, um, Brother Chris, if anybody would like to get a hold of you, what's the best way, uh, social media platforms, email, things like that? Absolutely best way is to go to our website, saloninternational.org, and you'll see in the top right-hand corner, there is a, a button that says schedule help, or there's just a contact us uh, button. So just click on that link, send us a brief message in any way that we can minister to you. Um, also, we're on Facebook and Instagram, so look us up on there and you can follow our posts uh, and get in touch with us that way as well. Please don't be afraid to reach out, not only to our brother here, but maybe your home pastor. If you're in crisis time, you're, you're struggling, uh, others who love you need to know about it. So uh, thanks, Brother Chris, for being here today. I uh, look forward to sharing this with others, and I pray that you have a great day. Share this with a friend. Maybe we found out through the years here that not only are missionaries and pastors, but are late people are listening to this, and hopefully this can be an encouragement to them as well. Sarah Johnson from the Dominican Republic, my dear friend Chris Phillips, have a great day.